It's never been more important for companies to deliver great experiences. Kate, pleasure to talk to you this morning. Amongst your areas of expertise at Forrester, you focus on digital customer experience and the new digital channels for brands to interact with consumers. In your publications, you stress the importance of this topic for brands. Why is that? What trends are you seeing on the market today that justify that brands should pay attention to this topic now? Well, it's been a year since the pandemic struck. And since then, we've lived through these economically uncertain times. Uh, each customer has been uniquely impacted by the pandemic. Uh, they've been disappointed. They've been devastated. They've lost jobs. They've lost their health. Even maybe family members. Um, they're, perhaps they're working more. Or they're homeschooling kids and balancing the needs of elder care. And your customers, they reach out to companies for advice, for help, to help them understand, for example, a policy change, or to look for guidance like refinancing a mortgage or applying for a small business loan, or trying to understand features and benefits of an expensive product that they're considering to buy. And your customers expect that the company that they're doing business with understand who they are, their value to the organization, and all of this is based on past interaction and transaction history. And they expect the company to do the right thing for them, to support them in making the best decision. And so it's never been more important for companies to deliver great experiences. Because at Forrester, we have a lot of data that shows that great customer experiences allow companies to not only hold on to their customers, but to grow their revenue and value as well. It's, it's interesting to hear that you focus mostly on delivering on consumer expectations. Um, after the past year and the impact of the pandemic, I would have expected that the main reason for brands to challenge their current engagement strategy would be instead cost savings. Are you saying that this isn't the case? Um, it's partially the case. So let me explain what that means. Uh, Forrester surveyed companies to understand their top business priorities before and during the pandemic. And so looking at this data, it's no surprise that before the pandemic, delivering great customer experiences and growing revenue were the top priorities. And during the pandemic, the focus was on cost optimization. And this became the top priority for companies, both, both large and small. Mm. But yet, if you look at the top five priorities on the slide, uh, the top five business priorities haven't changed. They're the same before and after the pandemic, even though the order of importance have changed. And so we saw that during the pandemic, improving customer experience is still critical. And it's because companies are looking to do the right thing for their customers, to engage with them and support them, hold on to their loyalty and ultimately reap the, the rewards um, of their loyalty in, in terms of revenue. So to go a step further today, your, your customers, they want convenience. They want to be able to manage the way that they interact with the companies that they do business with. 
uh, we see that they're using self-service and digital channels more and more, but they also want to be able to have a conversation with the company to, so that the company best understands them and supports them. And so what we have found uh, is that customers, consumers have gravitated to the new digital channels like messaging during the pandemic to help not only deliver great customer experiences, but to also help optimize costs, which again are the top business priorities at this uh, point in the pandemic. Okay, so I understand it is first of all about being customer centric and delivering on customer expectations. Uh, so can, can you help us understand more about what these customer expectations are? So your customers hold the power in the conversation with any company that they do business with, both in their personal lives and in their business lives. And they want to be able to interact with a brand on their terms and have any information, any data available to them at the moment that they need it. And so when we think about what makes a great customer experience, at Forster, we think about this in a framework called the three E's. And let me explain what this means. First of all, experiences have to be easy, where customers can reach in to a company over the channel and touch point of their choice and to be able to connect with the right resource within that company. Experiences also have to be effective, where customers need to be supported in a personal way. So they don't have, and they want an answer, uh, a complete answer, an accurate answer, a transaction fully complete. So they don't have to recontact the company for follow-up. And at the end of the day, customers want to walk away from that interaction, feeling good about having done business with the company. And that's all about customer emotion. And it's based on answers or interactions that are highly personal and delivered with a full understanding of where a customer is in their journey, so in context of what the customer is trying to do. And what we find is that messaging allows this convenience. You can start a stop a conversation, you can interact on your turns, you can move from touch point to touch point, you can communicate via images or emojis or video, and again, Messaging is one of those channels that gives customers the power in, the in interactions to be able to let them communicate on their terms. Thank you, Kate. Uh, you mentioned something very interesting. Uh, one of the comments on consumer expectations was the ease, right? They want to interact on the channel and touch point of their choice. Uh, I was reading that 70% of consumer communication is handled through messaging. But on the business side, only 30% of communications are handled by messaging, with messaging. Uh, the rest is being handled with traditional channels like email or call. Why is there such a clear gap? Yeah, so, so that's a great question uh, because we know that customers, uh, your consumers, they've embraced messaging in their daily lives. 
um, they're using SMS, WhatsApp, WeChat, uh, for example, and the type of messaging um, app that they're using is dependent on where they are geographically. So here's some data for you. 69% uh, of US online adults use messaging to communicate with family and friends, uh, but only 41% do so with brands. And what we find is when we look at, at, at what's uh, happening with businesses or brands, uh, they haven't moved to messaging. So on the graphic that you're looking at, uh, we see that only 19% of businesses offer asynchronous messaging right now. And 53% of brands that we surveyed don't plan on offering messaging. And so what we see is that businesses really haven't embraced asynchronous messaging as a way to engage with their customers. And this is because businesses today, they lack a holistic, comprehensive digital strategy. Uh, perhaps they lack the yeah. technology to be able to support their customers over uh, the more modern uh, digital channels like asynchronous messaging. Uh, they lack the processes to be able to digitally engage with their customers. And, and then you look at the agents who are on the front lines uh, serving customers. Agents are also not trained to be able to support customers over these channels. So if we look at this from the consumer perspective, conversation is a necessity to deliver on their expectations. Now let's talk about how brands are delivering on these same expectations. So what is the current state of conversational maturity on the market? So the current state of conversational maturity is still fairly low. Um, and we really see four use cases uh, for messaging. Um, first of all, messaging is used for one-way notification. When a, a brand is messaging to a group, uh, of consumers or to a population. Uh, think, for example, uh, messaging to, to a group uh, about a flight delay or cancellation, or the government is messaging to a population, for example, to notify uh, a population of a COVID uh, policy change. So that's one use case. The second use case that we see is really for personal one-way notifications. For example, uh, food delivery, um, when, when your driver has, has reached uh, the, your destination um, and wants to drop off um, food. Um, we see messaging is also used for very limited two-way communications. Uh, for example, to, to confirm uh, a medical appointment. Um, but what we find is that few brands actually use it to engage with consumers throughout their journey in a real two-way personal dialogue. Uh, for example, to, to solve a support issue or to help answer a question uh, before purchase. Right. And that feels like a, a pretty natural expectation. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, Kate, you're describing quite a wide experience gap, right? As I touched on at the beginning of the segment today, the gap between what consumers are expecting and what brands are actually delivering. So help me understand what's keeping the market from upgrading their conversational strategy. What are the main challenges to overcome? 
Um, so there's a lot of challenges that we see in messaging. Uh, first of all, the messaging space is fractured and uh, the types of messaging platforms uh, that, that brands use really vary by geography. For example, in China, we see uh, WeChat as the predominant mm. messaging uh, application. Uh, Japan uses Line, for example. Uh, Korea, uh, it's Kakao. Um, in the States, we have Apple Business Chat, we have Facebook Messenger, we have SMS. Um, the second problem is, is like you need to opt into messaging uh, interactions. So consumers have to opt in to be able to engage with brands. And there's government regulations that prevent brands from marketing over messaging channels. And then the third issue is the cost of these channels to, to the brand. Um, some are free. Um, some uh, messaging channels are free to small businesses only. Uh, some are free to all sizes of business. Um, others incur costs for businesses, both large and small. And then some messaging channels have more capabilities than others. For example, uh, Google uh, Business Chat, you're able to start a chat from Google Maps. Um, some channels, some uh, messaging apps uh, support payments. Um, some support rich text or video or multimedia. So there's a difference in experience depending on the channel that you choose to offer to your customers. Uh, thank you, Kate. And, and now that we've talked about some of the challenges that brands have to prepare for or at least assess prior to looking at a conversational strategy, can you walk us through some of the top line benefits of deploying one? Sure. And the way I like to answer that question is by looking at how customers engage along their journey, both for pre-purchase and post-purchase interactions. And your customers expect easy experiences that are effective, that leave the customer feeling good about having uh, done business with a company at any stage of their journey. And so we think mm -hmm. of the customer journey broadly uh, in six phases. Um, on the screen here, uh, you're looking at uh, the customer journey. And so a discover and explore are the marketing phase, buy is the purchase phase, and then use, ask, and engage is the post-purchase phase. And first of all, it doesn't mean that the customer linearly moves through each of these phases. Um, it just means mm -hmm. that a customer journey can be broadly divided into each of these six phases. Second thing that you'll notice um, on the, the slide is that the customer is in the center of the journey and all actions and activities should be orchestrated around the customer to be able to deliver these consistent, easy, effective experiences along the customer journey. And what we find mm -hmm. is that messaging has a role in each step of the journey. For example, in the marketing phase, the discover and the explore phase, customers can get information about, for example, their loyalty points or perhaps pertinent uh, promotions. Uh, for example, uh, information about appointments and scheduling or store hours. 
uh, in the purchase and buy phase, uh, customers can get help with, for example, how to pay within chat or to be able to help navigate. Perhaps it's a complex application. And in the post-purchase phase, customers want to be able to reach out over the messaging channels to be able to uh, get an order confirmation to be or shipment confirmation or a status change or to be able to learn how to best use the product or service that they have purchased or be able to ask a question and get an answer in context of uh, their actions or to get help uh, if they encounter an issue or ultimately have an ongoing interaction with the company that helps deepen uh, their relationship with the company. And messaging has a quantifiable business value at each stage uh, within uh, the customer journey. Uh, during the pre-purchase uh, phases, benefits of messaging are, for example, it helps increase conversion rate because a customer is able to, to gain confidence in the purchase that they're making. Uh, it helps increase average order value. It helps drive repeat purchases because the customer feels well supported by the brand. Uh, you could also see less returns because again, the customer has more confidence that they are making the right decision, uh, purchase decision, they have less buyer's anxiety. And post-purchase benefits range from better customer satisfaction to increased customer retention, as well as decreased cost. And for post-purchase benefits, um, benefits range from better customer satisfaction, increased customer retention, as well as decreased cost to serve. And the company as well realizes benefits. Uh, for example, better customer insight. They understand the types of questions that customers are asking and the way that the customers are asking questions. And they can use this information to better tailor experiences uh, to customers uh, to, make, to make brands more customer-centric. Kate, now that we have the high-level look at the impact and the benefits of a conversational strategy, uh, do you have any examples you can share on how conversation has had a, a profound business impact for brands or retailers? Sure. Um, lots of stories. Um, one that comes to mind, for example, is a retailer. Uh, they, they make uh, beauty uh, products. And the, this online retailer guides customers through a quiz uh, that uses images as well to help the, the customer choose the best hair color, for example. And this experience was really novel and customers quickly became fans. And this brand saw a real uptick in, in, um, in sales and increased uh, order value um, in their transactions. Uh, there's another retailer, clothing retailer, that uses uh, messaging to offer, for example, a concierge-like service to customers. Uh, customers who are looking for items that they can't find on their website and are able to, to message this brand and, and the brand helps guide them to, 
to, to, to products as well as to inventory that may not be on the website. Um, there's another fashion brand uh, that uses messaging to connect with an in-store uh, style expert to, again, answer questions about um, product availability, sizing, or store pickup. Uh, so those are just a couple examples that come to mind about how brands are using messaging to, to better support and engage with customers and as well offer these novel experiences. And I liked your use of concierge. I think that's particularly relevant. Uh, but Kate, we mentioned before um, the gap between how consumers like to use messaging and how often brands actually rely on it. Uh, so can you tell us a bit about the cost savings at stake uh, when evaluating a conversational strategy? Now, especially after this past year uh, with the pandemic, brands and retailers are, of course, looking for ways to improve their operational efficiency. How can conversation actually help them do that? Okay, so let's look at this from the customer point of view and from a brand's point of view. So from a customer point of view, uh, messaging, it's easier. A, a, a customer can walk away from the conversation and come back to it. Uh, messaging is uh, on, the, on the customer's terms. Um, it's perhaps more effective where again, a customer has a full record of their interaction and they can scroll up and, and see uh, questions that they've asked the brand and, and uh, look at the answers that were provided. And again, messaging uh, offers um, a higher satisfaction, uh, higher customer satisfaction because customers really feel like they're controlling the, the conversation and they're interacting on their terms and it's valuing their time. And for businesses, messaging has a lot of benefits. First of all, it allows them to do more because an agent, a frontline worker, is able to, uh, to, to support multiple messaging uh, interactions at the same time. Uh, for example, um, you can support two to five messaging interactions on average uh, simultaneously, uh, depending on the complexity of the interaction. Messaging as well is a channel that can, where you can really add, easily add automation uh, to it. For example, predefined uh, responses. So ultimately, uh, messaging allows a brand to do more with less human resources because uh, parts or perhaps all of co the conversation can be automated. Um, messaging also to a brand offers better customer experiences because you're allowing your, your, your customers to transition away from email and phone calls. Um, emails are slow. They incur perhaps days of lag. Uh, phone calls mm. as well have a lot of friction in the interaction because the customer has to navigate an arduous IVR and then wait in queue until they're able to connect with a resource. And, um, Messaging as well for brands um, allows brands to optimize their costs because the interaction, it's not synchronous. 
Uh, so agents and, and consumers don't have to be precisely connected in real time. And because this channel is asynchronous, it allows brands to staff to average messaging volumes. They don't have to staff to precise peaks and lows of messaging mm -hmm. interactions. And ultimately, um, to, if you're looking for agents to, to support your messaging channel, um, it's easier to find um, it's easier to find agents who fit the profile. So it's easier to hire for these positions. Um, and as well, it can also help reduce increase compliance and reduce fraud. For example, you think about a bank that messages a consumer to alert them of a potential fraudulent charge, and the consumer mm. is able to resolve that question right on the spot, um, not only offering um, better satisfaction and for the uh, consumer because it's a trusted experience, but as well, the bank is protected from potentially fraudulent charges. Yeah, thank you, Kate. And we've talked about the benefits of conversation for the top line and, and bottom line. Uh, what about the benefits for the brand itself? Can you elaborate on that a bit more? Sure. Uh, your customers ultimately want authentic, trusted relationships. And messaging allows that, where your, your customers are happier with the experience. And it helps increase their retention, their loyalty which ultimately drives uh, repeat purchases and advocacy. Uh, and advocacy then influences second order sales because your customer is recommending your brand to their network. Um, brands also have a competitive advantage in using messaging because the easier you make it for a consumer to interact with a company, the more they will do so. And this ultimately drives more traffic and affects retention and customer loyalty. And then we've already talked about all the operational efficiencies that brands can see from using messaging, not only because brands are able to support um, simultaneous conversations at the same time, but because you can add automation to the channel, being able to allow your agents to focus on the interactions that require insight or analysis. And um, brands are also don't have to precisely staff to the peaks and the troughs of interaction volumes. They can smooth over their, their staffing to, to uh, average messaging volumes, uh, which allows them to be, um, it's easier um, on their operations. And as well, you look at the worker profile to be able to support messaging and it's easier to hire mm. uh, agents who have these skills because again, messaging is the primary way that, that consumers interact with one another in their personal lives. Okay, Kate, so let's transition to the actual deployment and designing of a conversational strategy. Uh, we mentioned earlier the, the experience gap. Uh, meaning simply the, the gap between what the experienced consumers are seeking and the experienced brands are actually delivering. Uh, but it seems that brands are, are not really aware of this. I mentioned the 80 versus 80 uh, from the beginning of the segment. 
but and many brands, frankly, have a, a chat with us button uh, that's on their website and often feel they are covered and are delivering on consumer expectations. But more often than not, it's not actually the case. Uh, and and we, what matters is not the chat with us button, but what matters is behind that button. Who is there staffing it? Who's responding? Who's providing the sort of expertise or advice, reassurance uh, that you mentioned before for each step of the customer journey? Uh, this is about delivering the right content at the right time to the right consumer or customer or visitor. Uh, so just like Forrester has its CX index, uh, iAdvise has built the Conversational Maturity Index. Uh, and you'll see the slide with the six pillars of the CMI. Uh, it is a framework simply to quantify the maturity and quality of a brand's conversational strategy against these six pillars. So Kate, I'd like to talk about why these six pillars matter. So let's start with the first one, expertise, empathy, and authenticity. Why should brands pay attention to this? So first, you want your customers to interact with you. Um, and you want to make it easy for them to interact with you. Because the easier you make it, the more customers will want to interact with you. And you'll see your, your, your interaction volumes go up. Um, you want... You can't add agents necessarily to manage these increased interaction volumes. So what you have to do is you have to start adding automation so that conversations are a mix of automated and human-led interactions. And the content that you provide, both in an automated way or that you empower your agents with to, to, serve, to uh, serve customers, um, has to be accurate, has to be able to fully answer a customer's question. And you also want to pay attention to the emotional elements. Um, automate the easy, repetitive work. Have the harder questions go to the agents. Empower your agents with the right content, the right insights that they need so that they can focus on the conversation, the interaction that they're having with the customer to really understand the customer situation, and to be able to do the right thing for them, to be able to have an empathetic interaction that's personal, that is in context of the customer situation. And today, a year out from the start of the pandemic, increased empathy is so important because every customer has been impacted by the pandemic in a unique way. They've been devastated. They've been disappointed. They've had personal challenges. They've had to transition to working at home. They've had to, to juggle work with childcare or elder care. And so it's today even more important to not only deliver the right content, the right answers, the right advice to customers, but do it in a way that fully understands the customer, their situation, and is able to do the right thing for them. And to be able to do this, which is a mix of human interactions and automations, really brings us to your second pillar, all about scalability. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and scalability, of course, important as a means of differentiating and, and standing out and providing that assistance when it's needed. Um, now, Kate, I want to jump right to the business drive. Why does this matter for a successful conversational strategy? So you, you need to make sure that you can support the conversational volumes like you have um, at the start of your journey and as you grow. And you need to be able to do this without having to stop and swap technologies because your customers, they're ultimately fickle and they have one bad experience or perhaps they have a couple bad experience. And if they, they have a couple bad experiences, most probably they will leave and take their business elsewhere. And so if you don't pay attention to these hygiene factors like scalability, your customers, they're not going to get their answers in a timely way. They'll complain about it. That will have an influence on their, their network. Um, and more often than not, they will pick up their business and, and leave your brand. Yeah, absolutely. And Kate, um, I know we mentioned scalability twice. It's, of course, always interesting to see how a brand or a company staffs their respondents in this messaging environment. And oftentimes it's not actually synced and matched to when consumers are purchasing or when they want to purchase. Uh, Kate, the remaining three pillars are about how the content is delivered. Can you tell me more about what those mean to you? So customers want interactions that value their time. Uh, they want to be able to get any information on any device at the moment that they need it. Um, they also want interactions that are effective. Um, but more than that, customers don't want a one-size-fits-all type of answer. They want highly personal engagement in context of their actions, in context of their current situation, and in context of where they are in a journey. Um, and you, as a brand, you want to be able to provide a rich experience, again, in line with your brand value. And ultimately, your customers, they're controlling the conversation. Uh, and they want to start on one touch point, on one channel, uh, for example, on a mobile phone, they may get interrupted and then they pick up the conversation on their laptop. And you need to be able to stay with your customer, start an interaction, a conversation on one touch point, on one device, move it to the next. And you need to be able to support your customers, again, over the channels that they want to use and offer them this consistent, yet relevant and highly personal experience. Um, and that's, uh, and so you have to pay attention to the way that you are delivering content. Thank you, Kate. Uh, let's, let's start to wrap up the interview with uh, recommendations for brands who, of course, want to upgrade their existing strategy or begin to look into this. Uh, what advice do you have for brands who are trying to bridge this experience gap and take their conversational strategy to the next level? So being able to have, to be able to support your customers over messaging really takes discipline in four dimensions. I think about strategy, I think about process, I think about technology and empowering your people. So let me explain what these four dimensions are. So strategy, you have to define your customer experience strategy and then messaging 
must support your customer experience strategy. You have to define high-level KPIs or business metrics that you want to affect by introducing messaging as a channel to interact and communicate with your consumers. Your processes, you're adding messaging to the current processes. You want to make sure that all your processes are oriented around your customer, that they support your customer in their end-to-end -end journey. Uh, these processes have to use data. Perhaps you're pulling data from different operational sources to best understand who that customer is, to be able to best support them in their actions, whether they're looking for information before they make a purchase or they're looking for help as they're going through the purchase process or after uh, purchasing uh, a product or service, as they're looking for help or as they're looking to deepen their understanding of um, how to use a product. The technology that you choose to deploy is of utmost importance. It has to be adaptable. It has to be scalable so that as your interaction volumes grow, your technology is able to support this growth. Your technology ultimately has to be omni-channel so a customer can start an interaction on messaging and perhaps move it to another channel if that's what they want to do or if it's more efficient and effective to communicate uh, information to that customer. And this technology has to be embedded with automation to be able to offload all the repetitive tasks to automation so that your workers, your agents are focused on your customer and the conversation at hand. And ultimately, the last pillar is around people where you have to train agents to have authentic conversations with your customers. You have to empower them to, with uh, your policies to be able to do the right thing for your customers, to go the extra mile, to be able to, to support your customers in a reflection of your brand uh, so that your customers feel appreciated. They feel like they've, uh, they, they, they trust uh, your brand so that they end up ultimately keeping their business with you and ultimately you reap the rewards of their loyalty in terms of revenue. Thank you, Kate. Uh, thank you for this conversation and all these insights. Again, uh, today's topic was the reasons for transitioning to a conversational CX in the impetus of digital transformation. My pleasure to be joined by Kate Leggett, VP and Principal Analyst at Forrester. Kate, thank you. Have a wonderful hey, day. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me.